After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborers deserve to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me. And whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Indeed, I've given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. So for those who have been in the church for some time, this is likely one of those very familiar stories that we're used to hearing. Jesus has sent out 70, and some translated as 72, disciples to every place he himself would go. But most would agree that Jesus did not have time himself to go visit every town in his own day and time, considering he has turned his face towards Jerusalem. It may help to remember that Luke is also the author of the book of Acts, and it's possible that he's setting the stage for the places that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, after Pentecost, would go and the church would grow. And this seems congruent with what Jesus has observed here, that more disciples will be needed to go all the places when he says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But I must say, as far as motivational speeches go, Jesus may have not instilled the most confidence in these 70 or 70 so disciples that had been sent out. He tells them that I'm sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. I don't know about you, but I would like to be sent out as something different than a lamb if I'm going to be facing packs of wolves. And I can imagine that if a sports coach were to speak to her or his team, I don't know that this would be the model speech for them to inspire their folks to hit the field or, or hit the courts. We might think Jesus would at least send them out as shepherds. Shepherds being very familiar 
a, a very familiar metaphor in the scriptures for us. At least shepherds have staffs that can protect their, their lambs and protect themselves. Not so with the lambs here. They leave with no coats, no bags, no belongings. And what's more, they're, they're sent out with a message that, well, was a quite humble message that they took with them. The, the lambs were to say to those who might receive them, peace be on this house. That was their motivational speech. At least John the Baptist got to go out into the wilderness saying, repent or die. Not the disciples here, though. And Jesus even tells them to be humble, to have a humble demeanor in the face of rejection. He tells them that when they're rejected, they should just move along. No need to stay where you're not wanted. He does tell them to wipe the dust from their feet as they leave any town that wants to reject them, having warned them that the kingdom of God has come near and and you've rejected us. But even this seems to be more about them not taking this rejection personal. Indeed, he says, it's good enough to know that if you're rejected, that I'm the one who's really being rejected, and not only me, but, but God who has sent me. And who are what are the wolves in our story here? Well, there's probably a number of ways that we can understand this imagery of, of lambs among wolves. First of all, there's a couple of things that flow throughout the Gospels, all of them together. And one is that when we choose to follow Christ, blessed are the meek, blessed are the others, blessed are those who, who find their way in us, or we find our way into their community, and, and they're the stranger. We're, we're meant to be outsiders in this world. It also conjures up facing the violent acts of hungry packs, if you will, of those who stood up against Jesus and him making them full aware that what has had to happen to him can possibly happen to you as well. If you follow me, take up your cross. Once more, it's very likely Luke has in mind anything that can devour or diminish our commitment as followers. What I don't think it means is that we're meant to be afraid of everyone. I don't think he means for us to see in every person the potential of someone who might lash out or reject us outright. There's not danger in every person, in other words. He's acknowledging that this is a real thing, a real potential. Hence telling them don't to talk to too many people on the roads these days. People were beginning to talk as it was. But we must also be aware that because we know how this story turns out, that there were many who welcomed them, many who desired to receive them. And at the end of the day, this flock of lambs were successful in their trip here. But as I have contemplated this story, I assume, and I think rightly so, that we're to relate ourselves with those 70 who have been sent out. We are those who are sent out into our own worlds. Yet what they do here is really not a model that I think we're used to in the church. The primary model I believe that we're more used to or accustomed to, well, it makes us sound more like the people in the places that the disciples went to than those being sent out. Well, think about it in this way with me. We're very accustomed and we're very used to having things to give. We're used to having food to give to the stranger who is hungry. We're used to having housing to house those who have no roof over their head. We're we're used to having clothes to, to give to those who come to us 
who might be needing such things. And I would even offer that we often work for the premise that we have the gospel that we intend to give to the world. This story does not keep in line with this model of church, though. In fact, I want to offer that in many ways it's the very opposite of what we're used to, what, what I'm used to. Go to places where people don't know you. Go to where they might not like you very much even. And when you arrive there, ask them to feed you, to house you, to clothe you if necessary, I would imagine. And once more, even though they have been sent by the authority of Christ, they were the ones being asked to fit in, not the other way around. Think about it this way. We can assume that some of the places these disciples went to were Jewish communities. Based on last week's reading, we can also assume that some of these places could have been Samaritan communities, known enemies. And two weeks ago, we were reminded that some of these towns were Gentile communities. Now this adds significance to Jesus telling them to eat whatever is put in front of you. He says it twice, if you notice. The first time, it, it has to do with what you, you're due to be paid as a disciple. The second one is different. Eat what is put in front of you. This means that if they're in a Jewish community, just don't be picky. If they're in a Gentile community, this means that Jesus expected them to set aside food or purity laws and to eat what's put in front of you even if you think it makes you religiously unclean for that what you eat. That's significant. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Because lambs and wolves, very different dietary habits. We sometimes ask, and we always struggle with, it seems to me, as followers of Christ to ask, how far can we or must we go to meet people where they are? Turns out, Jesus may ask us to go farther than we're used to, accustomed to, expected to, or, or want to. Now, it may have been food laws and purity laws for these disciples, but what about you and me? What are the traditions, the rituals, our expectations, our customs that we have as Christians that we might be asked to let go of from time to time to meet people where they are? I don't mean to be rebellious or to prove a point, but so that we don't impose upon others more than we need to, force them to do what they do not yet understand, and so that we might come to help them understand that God loves them. At the end of the day, I don't know that we need to make too much or misunderstand this lambs and wolves metaphor, because maybe this has more to say with what it means to be so different in community together than it means to be apart or afraid of one another. The point of Jesus' message was not to be afraid. He didn't send them out to be destroyed or to test their mettle. They didn't need to be afraid of enemies and not even the ones who could destroy them. Yes, there was danger, but it was a possibility. It could happen. And what I love about this story is that we know how things end here. They go. 
and seemingly people who otherwise might eat them for lunch, as they say, welcome them, come to believe that God loves them who did not know it before, even in a Gentile community, perhaps, even in a Samaritan community, perhaps. And not just some returned. They all returned. So the plan worked. It did exactly what was expected. Sure, no doubt, they did face rejection. But that's not what they came home wanting to talk about. They came home wanting to talk about the wins, the good things, because that and those are the things to celebrate. When Jesus says he saw the devil fall from the sky like a flash of lightning, it's likely that was an idiom, a wordplay here. In other words, it could be something like you might hear someone today to say, you know, all this love of Jesus and acceptance and and peace of God, that stuff, it won't work in this world. It's too hard of a world. I believe it when pigs fly. Well, it actually worked here, and Jesus is essentially saying to any would-be doubters, look here, all you who thought love couldn't win, pigs are flying above your heads now. Love, hospitality, facing those that we're afraid of, never allowing fear to keep us from doing what Christ taught us to do. These are the things that overcome evil. These are the things that bring the kingdom of God near. And once more, if you feel like you're not called into this work, pay attention to who Jesus sent. He sent not emperors or scholars. He didn't send out the influencers or the powerful or the accomplished. He sent out fishermen. He sent out people with past, tax collectors, perhaps even servants and carpenters. And having sent them out, these common folks had the power over the spirits of evil and demons and they cured diseases and they healed sicknesses. Yes, there are so many people and things that can scare us in this world. Things that we ought to be afraid of even perhaps. But don't let that keep you and me from seeing and doing all that we can to see that there's good. Yes, Jesus sent lambs out amongst the wolves. The dangers were real and the cross tells us exactly how real that danger was. Likewise, Jesus sent us out into a scary world and all the possibilities are there for us. But know that today the disciples came home celebrating. They came rejoicing, not because it was easy, Not because Jesus protected them from all harm. And the outcome was not certain. But they celebrated because they shared God's love of people and they wanted it. They longed for that love. And this is the hope. These are the expectations that I hope we leave this place with not just today, but every single Sunday. So what about you and me as we leave this place today, after we come to this table and walk out that door? Will we be sent out like these disciples, lambs amongst the wolves, willingly? All we have to take to the world, by the way, all I have to give you today is the truth that God loves the world. That's all you have. You get nothing else to go with you. That's it. Now you're being sent out today to love people who you hardly know. 
to love those who are not like you, to love those whose actions or practices might even repel you on any given day? Will you leave this place today and love them because you have a deep hope that because you have the love of God, you can share with others and they might come to believe God loves them too? Will you walk out of this place today with a willingness to meet people where they are, as they are, and not look to be to change them, but to be changed yourself? I want to suggest that one of the biggest challenges we face often as a church is our plans can focus too much on welcoming people and filling the pews. Yep, that sounds strange coming from your preacher, I know. Hear me out though. The model, this model is what I'm used to. It's what I was trained to do. It's how we celebrate success and failure as a church. Give, attendance, membership, busyness. Sometimes this works, but when it doesn't, well, we feel like utter failures and I have lived with that failure many times in my life. So we look for new plans every time, right? When those fail, right? No, we double down. We try even harder to be welcoming. We, we, we go back to the same planet and we think if we just do it a little harder, it'll work this time. What if it's true that when this model doesn't work for us, it wasn't what we needed to do at the time? What if it wasn't that we didn't execute church well enough or do good enough? What if it was the wrong plan at the wrong time? Don't get me wrong. Don't tell folks your preacher doesn't want to be welcoming church. Yes, we must be welcoming. We must excel in that. We must always do good. But there's more than that. There's much more that we must do as well. It was not Jesus' plan of hospitality when he sent the 70 up to welcome. He sent them out to be welcomed. He sent them out with a message of God and the kingdom for to share they didn't come back with crowds of people. What they did come back with was joy and, and stories. Lives changed. Let me ask it in this way. When was the last time you intentionally shared the love of God with someone and it amazed you because of what happened when you did? Someone once wrote that you'd never really know who is desperate to hear good news. And you have to go out to them because you can't expect them to come asking about it if they haven't even heard it. If people are not coming, maybe it's because we need to do a better job of going out and giving people we encounter a reason to show up. If you want people to know that God loves them, intentionally show someone some love this week and tell them why you showed them love. If you hear some protesting, someone protesting or complaining about this or that issue, whether you agree with them or not, ask them why they feel as they do. And for the sole purpose of understanding them. If you know someone who feels guilt or shame for the mistakes that they've done, the problems they have faced, tell them about your mistakes. Let them know how God is redeeming or has redeemed you. If there's someone in your life that you feel is an enemy, maybe it's time that you extend the olive branch and you become the peace 
maker. These are the ways that the kingdom of God comes near to us. But it will not come near because it's there. Passively. The kingdom of God comes near when we share it with folks. When we let people see it. It, goes, it, it, it comes close by us taking it out to the world. So go from this place today and give people in the world a reason to believe that God loves them, but do it by letting them know that you love them first. People need to know this is true. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers willing to do this seem to be few. Jesus is sending you and me out today like lambs amidst wolves. There are some hardened hearts. It can be a scary world, but Jesus believes that wolves are good company. So go, and if you do, you may see the devil fall from the sky. And as we come to this table today, eat what is before you. Receive the body of Christ. Know his love. And you will have received everything you need. Thanks be to God. Amen.